Welcome to Days Update for October 31st, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Oji. And I'm Janra Victoria. Yeah, it is Halloween and the spookiest thing of all has happened. Brandon's not here for some reason. No, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, there he is. Oh, God, we're scared. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Oh. It was, uh, I had some some uh, small little family emergency I had to deal with. Nothing major. Just uh, had to go deal with it. But yes, I'm here. I'm here here nobody be afraid oh okay i thought you might have been sucked into your computer tron style you had to fight your yeah. way back out well i mean i've that has, has happened to me at least once but all right so know, brandon is here yeah don't we'll worry this whole thing is the intro yeah that's fine that's the uh, the spooky part see we tricked you unintentionally mm-hmm. uh it is halloween 2021 and it is almost over it'll be over by the time yeah. you get this podcast mm-hmm. uh spooky things have happened i don't yes. know we got a spooky yeah spooky we've scary. got uh yeah this month's playstation plus and games with gold lineups mm-hmm. uh, we've got a couple of new updates and such we'll tell you what's going on with that nintendo switch online plus expansion pack thing because yeah, boy, there's a lot of issues with that in mm-hmm. various ways. Uh, we got a couple of dates, but it's getting to that point at the end of the year where there's not really many dates being announced for things coming out soon. So, no, uh, we're kind of getting we're about headlong into the holiday season. So, so, I think just about everything that you're here about anything coming out is probably going to be until after the new year. Yeah, especially not until the Game Awards happens, and that's still another month away. Yep. Uh, we have some, yeah, we have some ind- industry news. Uh, there's a high-profile person leaving a fairly major publisher. Uh, mm-hmm. We have another high-profile person working on a cool new game. Uh, we have yeah. an acquisition. We have some shutdowns. We have a major publisher investing into a technology that none of us like. Yeah, uh, and we've got the latest update on the Activision Blizzard stuff, as well as the news from the the new state of play. Yeah, and before we get to that, we will get to the games we've been playing. I will kick that off here. I've mm-hmm. uh, been playing a bunch of stuff that has come out. Uh, mm-hmm. There is Deathloop. I got that in the new PSN sale. It's just under forty bucks for its first sale. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a pretty good price. I jumped on it. I have played through the first loop uh so it's basically like a tutorial yeah essentially where it's running you through this uh uh quest line essentially mm. uh, which nicely enough it keeps track of all the the notes because it's a uh, arcane game uh, i think yeah. it's the i guess the dishonored people not the prey people mm. uh, the dishonored people so you know very much like the the guns you can pick up are very big Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger than they probably would be realistically, should be. but should be or would uh, be to even be functional. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, they uh, it has a very specific art style. It's not pushing, you know, you know, super high graphical fidelity kind of stuff, but it still looks very nice for what mm-hmm. it is. Though people like to call it ugly or whatever, and it's like it's not ugly. At all. It looks mm. very nice, but yeah, the. It's very much like a, a big budget roguelike, roguelite essentially. Pretty that, much, uh, uh, sort of like Returnal. 
which we'll talk a bit yeah. about later. But uh, the only like consistent thing here is that there is the uh, all the stages, all the areas are the same, but what people are doing depends on the time of day. There's four different time periods. I believe it's like mm-hmm. morning, morning, like noonish, afternoon, and evening. Yeah, uh, depending on which areas you go in at which times, people have different routines and what they're doing. Some might be more desolate than others. All the kind of also, stuff. Also, if I remember correctly, the t- also if I'm remembering correctly, the time doesn't actually change until you like switch to another area. Yeah, there's no time progression outside of just when you leave to go to the next area. So you get to spend mm-hmm. as much time as you want in an area. Yeah, you know, methodically killing everybody or exploring or whatever. But early on, they very much limit what you can do, especially just mm-hmm. not unlocking things. But the, the mm. story stuff is pretty interesting as, you know, all these people are on this island that has this whole weird uh, tech going on that just puts everybody in a time loop where they relive mm-hmm. the same day over and over. So if yep. you kill somebody, uh, they'll be back the next day. And so your ultimate Ultimate goal is to kill all of the luminaries, I think they're called, the legendaries, whatever, uh, the bosses that are roaming around the island Mm -hmm. uh, all in one sequence. Juliana is one of them, uh, but she is sort of your main antagonist, at least early Mm -hmm. on, because she is essentially like your partner, whatever. Uh, At the beginning, Colt, your character that you play, has no idea what's going on. He has like lost his uh, full memory. So he's kind of trying to piece together what's going on by just uh, things he finds in the environment and all that. And the way Juliana talks to him and these weird Mm -hmm. premonitions that are showing up as, you know, like text showing up on the wall when he's moving around. Yeah. Especially funny when he gets to the first door, it's like, Oh, you need the code. And he's like, what code? And sees the note saying like, you know, the code. It's like, no, I don't know the fucking code. <laughs> uh, so he has to go out this other way to go find uh, the code from his uh, his apartment that's in town. And so by the end of this whole uh, quest line you're going on, uh, you find out more about what his role was here and why everybody hates that he is like trying to shut down the loop. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's the the big thing. Uh, so the way you're playing the game is it's first person, kind of a stealth action kind of thing where you're going around. I've been playing a lot more stealthy, just trying to watch. Uh, you can hit down on the D-pad to, you know, tag an enemy. If you hold it, mm-hmm. it'll tell you like three bits of info about them. Usually like if they're aware that you're around, uh, maybe something about their loadouts or, and if they're like a, and one other attribute, like uh, they're a good shot or they're just waiting for something to happen or they think today's going to be uneventful, so they're just bored. You know, stuff like that. Nothing too much that has affected things, but uh, it's a good way to kind of keep track of things. And, you know, you can do all sorts of things. So once you uh, get towards the end of this opening quest line, uh, Juliana invades and tries to kill you. Uh, I think the initial one is an AI, but for whatever reason, I was I was just playing off and on, so I had it kind of uh, in the background 
over the course of a couple of days because you can't it doesn't save mid section if you mm-hmm. quit out while you're in the middle of a section you get reverted to the beginning of that mm-hmm. which is what happened the first day uh the first time i tried to play it because i was still in the first area like paused it so i go to bed uh came back up and had some weird issue where the the game wasn't uh let me see what was going on or whatever so i had to like shut down the ps5 and launch it again and it's like oh i'm at the beginning again that's annoying but i also knew what to do and where people would be at so uh but yeah you kind of try to sneak around take out enemies it's been kind of hard to tell whether they have uh helmets or not because a lot of their the way the people look are almost kind of mannequin-esque uh just different yeah. colors on their bodies well that that and all, most of them are wearing are wearing masks too aren't they something like that but the i'm still trying to figure out like mechanics for how it actually works cuz uh, i feel like if they if i kill them stealthy whether there's nobody around to watch or if i sneak up behind him and stick him in the back with a machete uh mm-hmm. they disappear pretty quickly but if i you know take a a couple shots to take them out there'll be like a piece of them that's left left like a like if you just you know cut a mannequin in half and left like the top half but it's also able to articulate or whatever so that nearby enemies can see it and be like oh some shit's going on coals must be around something like that uh so yeah still kind of working my way through that but i beat juliana took her i forget what they call it slab which is like the thing that gives them their special power so that now i have essentially dishonored's blink move which lets mm-hmm. you like teleport around uh, so there's that you get trinkets and like perks and such that you can equip to the weapons you have. Uh, generally, I've seen like normal pistol. There's like a shotgun pistol. I've had straight up shotguns. Ones that are just like you know loading one shell at a time uh, mm. versus others where you have multiple. You can load in for more like automatic kind of shot uh, to a nail gun that lets you try and take out enemies more stealthy. But you also have a thing that's called the hackamajig i think it's called uh which lets you like hack uh security cameras and uh turrets that are around to take them out you can either take them out or just turn them to take out enemies for you which i had mm-hmm. on the the last the last uh leg of the 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 quest or sort of like oh, i gotta go back to my apartment uh, the fun mm-hmm. thing, I'm not going to really spoil it, but there's like a fun twist when you go to it for the first time. Mm. Uh, but when you come back, uh, I found a turret. I was like, oh, turn this on because I see this enemy coming up. And just walks out and just starts calling, pop, 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 takes him out. Uh, then another enemy comes up, pop, 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 takes him out. I think three of them died until somebody came over and was like, ah, oh, Colt must have done something to this, just fucking destroys it. Mm. Uh, so you're kind of like, oh, well, I got some kills there. Uh, and this character at least knows that something's going on. Uh, so yeah, the the other thing is I've been seeing a lot of like shiny objects that I can't do anything with. Some are like mm. masks or other things. I'm like, okay, there's something going on here. I'm curious what this is. Uh, I assume the point I'm at right now probably start revealing that stuff. But yeah, uh, I managed to get through this whole cycle without dying. 
Most because they also give you a perk that essentially lets you have two extra lives. Uh, so you die, uh, it'll like pop you back like maybe a 30 seconds to a minute before whatever got you killed. You're invincible for a few seconds. It lets you kind of run away to safety to get out of the way. Uh, maybe regroup and figure out what you did wrong and, you know, do that. Uh, I think that keeps people on the island is because they're not allowed to go in the water. Uh, if you walk onto like a shallow part of the beach, uh, you'll start losing some health. Uh, but if you jump in, you just die. So there are like signs around saying like, I oh, don't fall into the water, which is what I did on mm-hmm. one of my, my sections. I was like trying to jump across. So there's like a lot of, a lot of like ice bergs, I guess in the water that you can jump on and run across to get around uh, if you can't just get up on top of buildings or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, that seems that seems a lot of fun. I'm going to keep playing and try and see if I can get to the bottom of whatever's not. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been fun. Uh, let's see. I've been playing Echo Generation. I just started that. I started that a few days ago, but just did a stream for it earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is on a Game Pass on PC and Xbox, and I think it's also on... Uh, PC in general, I think maybe Steam or Epic Games Store, I forget which platform it's on, but that is the game that is like a, like if you took uh, Earthbound and mix it with Stranger Things and mm. set it in, I think, 93, 1993, I think it's yeah. set in where you go to, uh, go around your neighborhood, uh, you have to take your sister with you, your mom tells you. Uh, and you're sort of finding lots of weird shits going on around. Uh, so in the, the neighborhood, you find the principal's house. And it kind of looks like he's killed somebody. So there's like a yeah. amount of dirt that's been freshly dug up. You see signs about this missing kid. Uh, and he's very much, you can like sneak into his house and mess with things. Uh, and he, uh, if he catches you, he throws you out of the house. Kind of thing, and it's got that that vibe of like, oh, this this guy's killed some somebody or something. Uh, so there's lots of signs about that in the in his yard and all that. Uh, but it's this whole game is like voxel styled, so you're kind of uh, going around uh, exploring your neighborhood, beating up raccoons as your main enemy there. Uh, then you sort of uh, the this like trio of raccoons you can go to the next area uh, where you find like giant were rats uh, or no they're rat wolves I think they're called mm-hmm. uh, you'll find a a big like trailer that uh, this dude's hanging out in he's like oh the government's after me but also my antenna's broken so uh, everybody in the town seems to have something you might want but needs a specific item in return for it so you're kind of looking around, uh, either beating specific enemies that happen to be holding that or finding it in the environment, that kind of thing. Uh, the big issue I have with this game so far is that it doesn't have any sort of like quest list in the, the menus to keep track of that stuff. So I find mm-hmm. myself like running back to talk to people to be like, okay, what do I need for this? This thing that I need so I can go to this other area and do the thing and that'll open up more stuff. Uh, that kind of thing. So uh, there's a lot of those, and I've just gotten to the second day. 
uh, finished everything on the first day, which included things like killing those rat wolves, uh, a giant evil um, mannequin thing, a mm-hmm. clown mannequin thing that's uh, uh, probably killed somebody, but the cops don't care because they're looking for a serial, kill- serial killer. And I don't know. They're like, uh, we can't do two things at once. We're just here blocking the road because we're looking for the serial killer. Uh, you know, there's a dead body in the building right next to them. So it's like, oh, you guys could do this. Maybe send one of you over here. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you, then you go out to the back of this uh, this shop, and uh, in the the cornfields behind, there's like this big ass spaceship that has crashed it. And you go back there, and it's like uh, there's like robot mannequins back there to kill. Uh, and you find the pass that lets you into uh, the junkyard that's this government building that's also nearby uh, mm-hmm. is next to, with which you fight like a giant mech that is made up of cars from this junkyard kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a very tough fight because it it's, has like 100 HP. And at the point I was at, uh, the different kind of games that it makes you do to try to mitigate damage uh, often meant you're taking a lot of damage. So every time you level up, you get to upgrade either health or your attacks or your special, uh, special points, I guess SP, uh, which lets you do special attacks. And a lot of the early ones you get are like one or two. I just started getting some that were four. Uh, so I'll have to be upgrading that if I want to do more of that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's kind of a mishmash of stuff, but it's kind of got a, a decent storyline to it, where it's just mm-hmm. kind of these kids that are the only ones that seem to care about trying to figure out what this conspiracy stuff is that is going on, uh, coincidentally, all around the town and solve the day. Kind of like uh, Stranger Things, that kind of thing, or Earthbound. Kind mm-hmm. of doing a lot of the same kind of thing there. So that's been pretty nice. And from what I've heard, the game isn't too long, maybe like 10 hours total. Something like that. So mm. I just kind of wish it had did a better job of letting you keep track of information on you know things you need and whatnot. Uh, there's one there's one bit of the menu that is terrible. The you get to the party screen and it shows you like oh here's how much XP you have and how much you need to you know get to the level mm-hmm. up screen. It's all in a bar. Uh, the text is white and the uh, the bar is filling up with a bright blue, uh, with the very mm. end being almost white. So it's like if it's like halfway filled where it's on this text, it makes it really hard to tell what's going on. Uh, so you can't, mm. if you're trying to be, figure out like how many fights you need to do to grind for the next level, it can make it a bit more of a chore than you might like. And also mm. it's weirdly built around grinding out these fights for XP, but also goes against that as well. So there's like a certain point where I couldn't fight the raccoons anymore, uh, where I just tell them I'm a pacifist or whatever, which is not true at all. Uh, like some of the the mannequins in the cornfield just stopped spawning again uh, things like that mm-hmm. the the rat wolves are still spawning uh, so if I'm looking for fights there I can still go there uh, but I'm at a point where I need to buy some things and I spent a lot of my money on other stuff before I knew I had to go buy a bunch of stuff there so that wasn't great but oh it's it's got some fun stuff to it so I'm going to Keep playing it, but it's a a bit more grindy than I was hoping it would be. But mm. the rest of it's still pretty good time. 
And if you have Game Pass, that's definitely a game to check out. Uh, the other game here I've been playing is Moonglow Bay. Hmm. Talked about it a little bit on Let's Weekend. That is a mix of Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing. Yep. Uh, where you're kind of trying to uh, revive your fishing business that you started with your spouse that you kind of gave up on for a few years and the whole town kind of lost lost interest in the fishing industry despite being a fishing town Mm -hmm. Uh, because they became afraid of the creatures in the water because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of weird like folklore fairy tale type telephone game going on where people come up with weird names for these uh, character, these uh, different creatures and their abilities and all that. It kind of gets really outlandish at times. Um, I took some pictures of them. I'm going to see if I can find them here on the uh, the Xbox app because uh, there's a lot of fun names and some of them uh, come off as like, oh, these are ways of talking about uh, sex acts without calling them sex acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trying to see if I can find out where these are at. There they are. Uh, yeah, the names like uh, the Haunting Scream, the Mighty Devourer. Uh, mm. The the thing I wish is that they include the description that the 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 person gave you for what it does. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just says like take this to the aquarium if you catch it to uh, find out what actually is going on here. There's one called the Razor Tooth Quarreler, uh, Micro Seal. Uh, let's see. The Blisterback Boxer. The Deadly Tread. Uh, let's see. That's, uh, here's a couple more. The Wandering Kennebec. Davy Jones, the Boating Harbinger. There's some point where they, they give him like a ridiculous name and your character is like, I'm just going to write my own name here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drawn to Life, Rock of Aeons, the Crying Hummer. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of fun, weird names that people give these things. So your little journal of these different fish uh, kind of just fills up with these names. And once you actually catch it, you, know, you get to see what it actually looks like. And you take it to the aquarium, mm-hmm. which is like Animal Crossing's museum. And the 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 person there sort of tells you, like, what well, here's what it's actually called. And sort of some info about it that makes it a much more normal thing than the way it's presented to you. Uh, here's one called the Notre Dame Sand Digger. And you're like, oh, that's that's got to be a nasty, nasty one, uh, like a Cleveland steamer or something. I don't know, but yeah, the the story is pretty neat. Uh, uh, when you start, you kind of make your own, or you get four characters to choose from, or four people to choose from, and you can kind mm-hmm. of decide, you know, pronouns they use, name them what you want. Uh, you pick a spouse. Uh, so you can have sort of same-sex uh, couple, you know, cis couple, you know, non-binary, all that kind of stuff, depending on how you want it to go. They generally keep track of it, though there's one point, I recall, somebody calling the, the husband I made uh, going by her. I was mm-hmm. like, I think like there's some little bug here. The game is a little bit buggy at times. I, had, I was playing earlier today, and uh, the button prompts they show for... I think releasing the uh, the net you can throw around uh, was just stuck on the screen. You know, I was doing a bunch of other stuff, so I had to quit out and load back in to get it away. So that was uh, mm. a little bit annoying, and 
just some things like that. It's kind of some small stuff. Uh, but you're kind of getting, uh, at this point, I can find uh, little jobs or, you know, quest quests or whatever from the uh, the bulletin board that's in the, uh, the center of town. And at this point, they're also asking me to fund renovations for every building in this in the in the town. So that's the very yeah. Stardew Valley kind of thing. I'm like, you got to pay for everything because none of us are doing anything to make money out right. here. Uh, but apparently every every fish you bring to the uh, the aquarium is potentially going to raise the the sort of money that you're able to make off the uh, the food you're making. So you're running this like food shop, essentially. Uh, so the fish you make, you can turn it into various meals. And as you, you know, play further and talk to people or just cook stuff more, you learn more recipes, that kind of stuff. And you can buy some in some of the shops. So, you know, you're able to make some more of that stuff and they'll ebb and flow on prices, depending on how much you, if you make too much of something, it might cause the price to drop a little bit for a while. I think it's on the, the bulletin board. It'll tell you like, Oh, here's, here's stuff that's uh, selling for more right now. And stuff that's selling for less uh, for each day. So, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff here. Uh, look forward to putting some more time into it. Uh, but yeah, this game's a, a lot of fun and kind of a nice, chill kind of way to spend some time. So there's Moonglow Bay. It's also out now, Game Pass and PC at the moment. Uh, let's see. Another game I streamed the other yeah. day was Nuke of Dead Cells. It definitely has uh, some vibes from that. Uh, being more action-focused, but not... Not that much, but it's a firefighting game, 2D firefighting kind of action puzzle or uh, action platformer. Mm. And you have to sort of worry about, you know, being too close to the fire, that kind of stuff. Cause you can catch fire. It's like a one hit kill kind of thing. Uh, mm. If you run directly into flames, but um, you have your own tank and, you know, hose to spread fo- uh, water around to put it out, but it can spread around. Uh, the nice thing is they have accessibility options to make it easier or harder. I just kept it on the same, uh, the same, the the default difficulty, which is at like sixty percent, I think it was. There are options for like making the fire spread faster, or you know, giving yourself more shields so you can take hits, even infinite hits, that kind of thing, uh, to make it more difficult or more uh, less of a chore to get through. It's not really a chore to play it all. I just had a few times where I was just just being dumb and not taking my time to put fires out properly and watch where I'm going. Uh, but the game itself, you know, you're a firefighter that's get airdropped into this area to uh, deal with fires in this facility that they apparently don't know, don't have a map of it to know what it is. So you're just kind of yeah. going in and going further and further until you Find out there's some weird shit going on in this facility, almost like a uh, control style facility, where mm. just uh, they specifically have these SCP reports that uh, feature a number of like weird experiments or things that the they've found in this facility mm. that ultimately almost kind of, I guess, get out, but you never really run into any of the any of that stuff. So it's just more yeah. like flavor text. Uh, that's one of the collectibles, just finding those reports, as well as there are like secret paths you can find that lead you to where uh, cats are hanging out. You lead them out of the out of the area, 
and I think if you beat the game finding all of them, uh, you can get a special room that I assume has all the cats in it. I had like 10 yeah. or 14, so I didn't get to check this room out. But uh, yeah, when you find you find some notes that are like, oh, there's there's some weird shit here that uh, seems to potentially be uh, hazardous. And they're like, oh, there's, well, there's also cats all over the fucking place that are probably going to increase yeah. the chance of these fires and shit to go wrong. I was like, yeah, that seems like what happened here. Uh, so it's a, it's a fun game. It takes like two hours to beat. So it's not too long to complete. So it's a pretty fun time, like $10 game. Well worth checking out. I want to see some, some fun uh, stuff there. Yeah. So that's nuclear blaze uh, just on PC. I think, I don't think it's on consoles yet, but it, it probably will. It'll be worth checking out. Uh, and the other game I've been playing is Collection of Saga, Final Fantasy Legends. This is on the PC, Steam. Just released there yeah. the other the other day. Uh, so I was streaming some of that on Friday. It's like a fake Final Fantasy Friday stream. Mm-hmm. And played the first two games on there. Uh, I definitely say the second Final Fantasy Legend is much better than the first. In sort of mm-hmm. a Super Mario Land kind of way, where like the the first ones, I'm trying to adapt this known thing to a Game Boy, which you know has yeah. uh, much less capabilities to make like a big in depth thing. So much so that neither mm-hmm. of these games surface uh, your earning of XP. If I didn't read guides while I was like looking through this stuff, I would not know how any of these classes you get to pick work. Uh, at least mm-hmm. initially. Because uh, I think the first game, there's only one class that actually earns XP from the fights. Uh, the others, you have like mute, uh, monsters that eat meat to, to evolve or change or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have humans that I think just get better armor, and that's how they level up, I guess. And the second one, I think most of the classes earn XP in some form. Uh, I think there's monsters that you get... You can also eat meat to change them, but they also have robots that has an eat whole mechanic to them where they, uh, where if you put armor on them, they increase their HP. So yeah. like the guy was like recommending just going to the, the first shop and just buying all the cheap armor you can get to put on them, fill up his, his slots. Uh, so that's, and that just put it up to like a hundred, 104 HP, I think, right away, which was uh, a lot to have on a, an early game thing. And but yeah, the other characters are just seemingly leveling up at random times. Some leveling up so fast, I wasn't sure. They don't tell you like levels or anything either. So there's like a lot of information that they don't surface at all that I kind of wished they would. But these are also not Final Fantasy games, so they're the first game is barely feels like an RPG, it's just more of you're going through the same kind of menu system, turn-based menu system, but the the feeling that, you know, your character's getting more powerful or whatever doesn't really feel like it's happening there. Uh, and if I wasn't looking at a guide, which was probably too much of a guide, because I was recommending that I, like, sell the, the weapon, the first character I had, uh, just selling it off right away because it gives you a lot of money. 
and you guys had to buy other weapons and it didn't explain like why I would want these. Uh, it was like buying these gold gauntlets, which the, the early enemies you fight was like, Oh, you can't use this. I'm like, what? Why the fuck would this guy tell me to buy these? if I can't use them to fight enemies. And it didn't make any sense. Uh, uh, some people would be able to use them, but not all my characters. That's the problem with guides. Sometimes they're made for people so far into this game that they understand everything. Don't realize if they're trying to write something for somebody that knows nothing about it, they fail hard at that kind of thing. So, but yeah, that first game, you can only have one save. So I saved it before I started selling the, the weapon. And so eventually I died and realized, oh, yeah, I only had that save from like 40 minutes ago. Well, we're done with that game. We'll go over to the second one. Uh, the second one has, you know, three save slots. You can specifically like keep older saves if you want or, you know, have backups, that kind of stuff in case, you know, something bad happens. Uh, so that's uh, just a better game. It does a better job of getting you going because the, the first dungeon you go through, you have like a teacher that uh, goes with you that has much more powerful attacks and spells and uh, a, a really good heal spell to sort of get you out of a lot of uh, tight spots you'll get into. So uh, that does a, a pretty good job. And like the story stuff's better there. Whereas the, the first game, you know, these are not real Final Fantasy games. They're saga games. And the saga games are like all right games. Generally from what I uh, understand from seeing reviews and all that, it's like, there's not really any great uh, games in that series, and especially these games trying to masquerade them as Final Fantasy. It very much felt like uh, them being desperate to get these games to sell because nobody here in the West would buy them if they were, had their original names versus being Final Fantasy Legend, kind of tricking people into trying these different style of JRPGs that you know, don't even have some of the mechanics that you would expect. Uh, out of them, but it's a neat historical thing, but I think they also don't do a good job of having, you know, dev materials and behind the scenes stuff to let you know, like more about, you know, what these games originally were uh, versus what they turned into and sort of how that all happened. That could have been something fun to have. This is a very bare bones collection where you have the three games, the only like cheat kind of things you have a game speed thing, and you have one to just make the the game screen bigger or smaller. And it's only like two sizes. So there's not really a ton there to uh, mess with things all that much there. So it's a pretty good collection if you're interested in some side Final Fantasy games that aren't really Final Fantasy games. So uh, that's been pretty neat. So uh, that's been it for me this week. Brandon, how about you? Well, um... As for me, I played and I finished. Um, the uh, game basically is like six, they call them episodes, basically, because the game is sort of structured like a TV show. Um, and then it comes with uh, also two what they call specials, which when the game originally released, they were DLC um, that take place sort of like post after the end of the game. Um, and... Uh, Sort of, I think, were essentially meant to sort of, like, set up what was going to be the sequel, which, of course, never came, because for whatever reason, the there was just a lot of turmoil at Remedy on the turnover um, that they were dealing with. 
Um, but uh, the game, yeah, I mean, like it, graphically, you can definitely tell that you know, even though they gave it a good deal of polish um, and you know, updated some lighting effects and stuff. The game is still very much like a product of, you know, the PS2, Xbox 360 era, and you can mostly tell it by the character animations. Um, and the cutscenes, they're quite, you know, it still pretty holds up, but outside of it in, you know, the actual gameplay, uh, they have kind of a ventriloquist dummy kind of aesthetic going for them. Um, but, you know, the game itself is still amazing. Um, and the two special episodes in particular are unbelievably bizarre and unpredictable because at that point you're no longer in like Bright Falls proper. You're in this sort of weird alternate dimension that's made up largely of like memories of what Bright Falls was and the town gets more and more over the top and weird and distorted as you go along. Um, to the point that, you know, you're, like, actually jumping between, like, vortexes made up of, like, houses and old train cars. There's this one point where you're trying to get to this, uh, the cabin that, you know, you start the game in, and you have to go through, like, this rolling factory that's literally rolling, like, a wheel, and you're having to, like, go through different rooms, through the doors as the thing was rolling and trying to make sure that you get there soon enough because if you don't, then you end up taking some serious fall damage. Um, and, you know, overall, the game is really good. I mean, it's only $30. It's not like you're breaking the bank or anything, so I definitely recommend it, um, especially if uh, you've played Control and you played like the DLC and stuff, and you're wondering what 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 this Alan Wake stuff is about, well, now you can find out. Um, unfortunately, Remedy is supposed to be working on the Alan Wake sequel right now, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I also finished a couple of uh, endings for Fallout New Vegas. Um, now, remember, this is the New Vegas that you get on, um, you know, on PS Now, so it's the base game, so it doesn't have any of the DLC or anything, you know, like Lonesome Road or anything like that, which is unfortunate because I've been told that the DLC for New Vegas is exceptionally good. Um, but, yeah, and what's really neat about the way that game ends is that Basically, the game, all, all of the ways the sort of the game climaxes is it climaxes at the second battle of Hoover Dam because that's sort of like where the whole uh, essential conflict between the fact the two main factions in the game is revolving around because they want to get Hoover Dam back up to you know, you know its original um, functionality and then you the electricity of it to power their specific place. Um, and what's neat is all the factions that you visit in the game prior to Hoover Dam, depending on how you uh, end up, you know, ending that, that partic those particular quest lines, they'll actually show up and help you out during the battle. Um, one really good example is the Boomers, who are this... Uh, 
tribe of gun nuts who live out on a Nellis on the ruins of Nellis Air Force Base, um, way up in the northeast of the map. Um, and, and like the basic sort of, uh, you know, the basic sort of story behind them is that they all originally lived in a vault that was provided with an overstocked ar armory for some reason because all the vaults in the Fallout universe all had different conditions because that was specifically how they were made. Um, and the people who lived in there were like, got really obsessed with guns and eventually they ended up leaving the vault because the guy, the overseer of the vault would only let them use some of the guns in the shooting range. And as one of the characters, one of the boomers themselves tell you, they wouldn't let us play any of, use any of the fun ones. So they all left. Um, and uh, one of the last things you do for them, if you sort of manage to get on their good side, is you end up in Vegas Lake and you end up uh, raising up the ruins of an old B-29 bomber. And once you get to the Battle of Hoover Dam and you're going across, you know, the dam proper to... Uh, fight the Legion, fighting the various Legion forces you come in contact with, uh, sure enough, you'll see that B-29 bomber, fully functional, flying across the sky, and it will take out a uh, squadron of Legion for you. So, yeah, it's, you know, just little touches like that are just really, really makes that game worthwhile. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. So, uh, Dan Reb, what about you? And not a whole lot, um, as compared to last week, but I finally finished Far Cry 6. Or, not really finished, I, I rolled credits, so, you know, the, the, the ending happened. And, yeah. Um, it was pretty solid. I mean, like like I mentioned last week, I have really no issues with the story. Uh, sorry about mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it's fine. I have no issues with the story, it's just that um, they, 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 they don't have enough scenes with, um, with Giancarlo Esposito. And, you know, to me, that's kind of weird because, you know, why would you have the guy in the box and, like, never, ever show him? So, yeah, there's that. Um, but, yeah, the, the ending was, it, it was kind of weird. I don't know if it was really earned. Uh, and that's, that's, all, that, that's all I'll really say about that. The, the final well, issue. It, normally, the, uh, the case with more than one ending you can access. So you might want to look and see if there's other things you yeah, I'll, I'll probably look into that. Um, I don't know if this is a game that I want to like completely like you know finish just because there's, there's just a whole lot of things to do, and you know it, it just vibes differently with me. Like it's not like you know Breath of the Wild and Ghost of Tsushima where I can go ahead and be mesmerized by a shrine or a fox. Here it's like you know uh, guns that make that make sure you can't use a helicopter around the island. Like that doesn't really appeal to me. Um, and honestly, a lot of the uh, a lot of the combat, as solid as it was, felt like a chore, and mm. I would probably say I'm done with the game unless, like, the DLC uh, missions really show some promise. Um, but other than that, I was pretty solid. Well, uh, I was pretty satisfied. I uh, put my review up on the game uh, this morning, actually. I gave it a 3.5 out of 5, which is not a bad rating for me. So uh, I'm, I think I might be, like, at the end of my top 10 list. Not sure where, where I'd put it yet, but yeah, there's that. Um, I also got a code for um, Riders Republic. Um, this was given yeah. to me days before release, but um, 
I don't think anybody actually reviewed it because uh, we couldn't access the servers. The servers didn't open until the day of launch. And so prior to that, all you could really do was like test out vehicles. And even though like, you know, trying out all the vehicles is a big part of the gameplay, when you actually start the game, which I did last night, um, there's, there's actually a story involved. Like you're this new hotshot athlete who can pretty much, you know, do anything from ride a bike to, you know, go on a boosted hang glider. And yeah, like all of the stuff I'm playing so far is uh, pretty solid. It's very reminiscent of um, SSX Tricky, except, you know, it doesn't have all the, the power-ups or stuff like that. But the, the tricks and things like that are still very enjoyable. And um, mm. I'm, I'm having fun racing so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, warm on it so far, and I, I look forward to playing it as we go. Um, I also picked up Guardians of the Galaxy, Mario Party, and... Um, Deathloop, because Deathloop was like 40 bucks the other day. Um, but I haven't opened any of these, and as I'm installing Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm wondering whether I want to delete Cry uh, 6, just because it's like 96 gigs. I don't have very much. So mm. um, that's pretty much it for me. All right. All right, so yeah, let's start getting to some news, uh, starting mm-hmm. here with the new games you can grab uh, soon here for PlayStation Plus and Games with Gold, since uh, November starts tomorrow. Yeah, uh, for PlayStation Plus, let me see. Yeah, you got the state of play one. <laughs> That's in that one. There we go. Uh, that one, they have six games here for November. Uh, three of the normal ones, uh, three PSVR ones to celebrate the PSVR hit in five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the normal we'll get to here, there's Knockout City for PS5 and PS4 as uh I believe November 2nd, it'll be coming to the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing a, uh, a new upgraded version for those platforms, so there'll be that that you can check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game's pretty fun. It's just dodgeball, but a bit more silly and all that. Lots of collectibles yep. and cosmetic stuff to get, so mm-hmm. uh, that one's pretty fun to check out. Uh, also for PS5 and PS4, as revealed in the state of play, is First Class Trouble. Mm. That one is a sort of social dis- uh, deduction party game kind of thing where you can have six people play together online. Uh, four are what they call residents, the normal people, mm-hmm. and two that are personoids that uh, are trying to lie and deceive the other people into... Uh, dangerous situations to kill them off, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. As I believe you're trying to do that. So a little bit of Among Us, but I think also it's very much like the ship that came mm-hmm. out a good while ago, like ten plus years, something like that. That mm-hmm. uh, was very much kind of like, ah, oh, you're in the space. Uh, you gotta uh, do what you're supposed to do. Uh, and this one. Seems like it could be pretty good. I don't know. I'll have to check it out. Uh, the other normal game is Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning for PS4. Yep. The sort of remaster of the original Kingdoms of Amalur that EA put out, but this time it's under uh, THQ Nordic. Uh, sort of the, the, the weird creation combining the talents of R.A. Salvatore to create the lore. Uh, spawn mm-hmm. creator Todd McFarlane to help you know do the 
art direction. style, yeah. art direction, the the world kind of look and all that. And the mm-hmm. lead designer Ken Rolston of Elder Scrolls for Oblivion to help yep. design the gameplay and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which came out to be a pretty pretty good uh, you know action RPG. Yeah, that unfortunately got screwed over because of the developer and who was running it. Well, the game itself was perfectly fine. It was, but it was all in service of an MMO that yeah. Kurt Schilling and his studio, uh, in Studio Fifty Eight, something like that, or mm-hmm. Thirty Eight, I think it was. Yeah, uh, that um, moved everybody to Rhode Island, I think it was, to. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they got tax incentives, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And ultimately kind of ran themselves into the ground working on this MMO. And went to a whole weird situation where the state of Rhode Island took mm-hmm. uh, control of all the assets uh, for the MMO. And I guess this as well, Kingdom of Amalur. I don't know. It all then ended up in THQ Nordic's ownership. And so now they put out this remaster so there's that mm. as a, a thing you can check out uh, for the PSVR stuff and I believe one of these you can play without it uh, there is the persistence mm-hmm. that is a like first person uh, horror survival roguelite kind of thing yep. uh, there's a little kind of a time loop thing going on but you're trying to uh, yeah, what does it say here? You're a clone of security officer Zimri Et- Eater to make your way deeper into the decks of the Persistence to repair the systems and prevent the ship from being torn apart. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's that whole thing. I believe that is also playable without VR on PS5 and PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the other one here is The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Standard Edition, mm. which is a pretty good get. That is one that came out, I think, last year for PSVR and the other hel- the VR helmets. And that is, you know, an adaptation of The Walking Dead for VR that uh, is supposed to be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is neat. And there's uh, a bit of news later on here that ties into it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think it is. I think, okay, so... Yeah, so that's one of the PSVR games. Uh, and the last one is Until You Fall. Uh, mm. This is a sword fighting game. They call it very yep. much physically active. Uh, mm-hmm. The bit of sword fighting and uh, rhythm stuff to it, like neon mm-hmm. environments, hack and slash roguelites, all this kind of stuff uh, with a synthwave soundtrack. Uh, so you can get that kind of fun thing. So those will all be available until January 3rd. So you got two months to grab that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's six mo- six games for the month. Uh, for you can play without VR and two that you can't. Three that you can play with VR. So uh, a good bit of stuff there. Pretty good lineup from the looks mm-hmm. of it. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, as for games with gold, there is four games here. Yep. Uh, starting tomorrow, November 1st, you'll be able to check out Moving Out, mm-hmm. which is the game that is uh, like Overcooked, but involving the fun time of moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking up all your shit, putting it into a, a truck, 
and attempting to get it, you know, across town or whatever. Yeah, your job here is a furniture arrangement and relocation technician or fart. So yeah. Mm-hmm. You can play solo or without the four friends to uh get these jobs completed. Let's see, the second one starting on November sixteenth is Kingdom Two Crowns. The game Teresa could probably tell us a lot about, but that is a uh, very much kind of a um trying to think of like a, a strategy game essentially. Uh mm-hmm. you're managing a knight that is collecting gold and other resources to help build your sort of settlement and expand it. And every night uh, enemies will try to attack. And so you're hoping to have people situated in the right places and defenses set up right to repel them. And you're trying to serve to a certain point where you can sort of keep that going and then move on to another area to explore and do all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fun game. One you can spend quite a few hours in just trying to, you know, finish one more day or finish another goal you have for yourself, that kind of thing. So that'll be out November 16th for Games with Gold. Uh, For the older games, there is on November 1st, Rocket Knight. The XBLA sort of, I'm not sure if this is a remake or a remaster, but it's uh, based on a classic Sega game. They call it the Sparkster series. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's just like a, a platformer thing, action platformer kind of thing. I've never played it, so I don't know too much about how it plays, but it seems like it got all right reviews back then. But, uh, yep, that'll be one you can check out starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting on the 6th for the Xbox 360 version of Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes. Mm-hmm. I think it's the last of the Lego Batman games before they were all open world. Mm. I think it's the the regular just level based ones that just threw you into different levels. Yeah, uh, that has a bunch of different DC superheroes to beat up uh, bad guys and such. There you go. Mm. Another pretty good lineup there for uh, games with gold. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the rest of the news here. Returnal mm. has a 2.0 update out now that adds two major features. Uh, there's yeah. photo mode to mm-hmm. it uh, and suspend cycle, they call it, which is their essentially like uh, save suspension system. Yeah. So that if you need to save and quit in the middle of a run, uh, you can you know suspend it and come back another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let you kind of take a break. For that, which is nice to see them finally get it in there. I knew they were gonna be working on this, but it's been very much like the the one controversial thing about the game is not having that. Uh, even though it's a feature, not every roguelite has. Uh, there's a lot of big ones out there that don't have it, but don't get uh, the criticism that this does because this one has a bit more of a, a longer run. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're going for that, so yeah, that's good. People can mm-hmm. jump back into it or buy the game now. That was an issue for yep. you. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, speaking of people waiting to buy a thing, there is now a demo for Metroid Dread for you to yep. check out. Uh-huh. Leave it lets you play up to the point where you take out the first major enemy. Yep. 
get at least a boss fight and a good chunk of one one or two areas. I forget how far that lets you play. Probably good thirty minutes to an hour or so. So mm-hmm. that is that is a demo you can check out uh, for your Halloween fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not Halloween fun. There mm-hmm. is the Switch Online Plus expansion pack, yeah. which has a lot of uh, work to do to get it to where people actually want to support this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about uh, my issues with it. I do not have it uh, because I was intending to see how they handled the point they were making of, oh, if you already have Nintendo uh, Switch Online, there'll be a discount for upgrading to this uh, so that you can you know, check it out and not have to pay you know, another 50 bucks to upgrade, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the catch there is that it doesn't allow you to upgrade for the rest of the term that you have going on with your, your regular Nintendo Switch Online subscription. Uh, so in my case, I had like six months or so uh, to mm-hmm. go on that. And so I was like, oh, if I can, you know, pay the, the 15 bucks or so to get that, you know, that seems like a, a pretty decent deal uh, to get in and check it out without having to, you know, give them a full 50 bucks or uh, 30 bucks uh, for the upgrade. But no, I'm going to take a look at it right now what it says it would cost for me to do this upgrade. Cause I think when I initially checked this out on the 25th, it was saying like $40 and 24 cents. Cause I think they're counting like it's five cents a day that you have remaining on your subscription that it takes, it takes off. If you have a family plan, I think it's nine cents. Uh, the funny thing is that they take the fine print from the, uh, the regular individual membership uh, and apply to every other piece of text. So that it doesn't mm. tell you it all just references the individual membership mm-hmm. in every single option here, which I find hilarious. It still does that. This is days later, six days later, almost a week later. And it's still now saying $40 and 54 cents. So this is getting five cents more expensive each day. I don't sign up for it, which is hilarious to me. Uh, it's like, oh, this, mm. oh yeah, now it's, 30 cents more than when I looked at this last. So that's more enticing. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, if you already had the family plan, uh, I think the upgrade is a little bit cheaper. Uh, I forget how the math worked out. So I think it's 80 bucks total. I think if you have, let's say a fresh full year, you get the, like it's 35 bucks off. Uh, for the regular membership that you already have the credit on there. Mm-hmm. And there's like a limit to the credit. So if you have years stacked on it, because I think there was a deal at some point for like 20 bucks for a family plan, a year of family plan. So people bought multiples of that uh, to stack it up. It will take up to the certain point. I think it's like uh, 45. No, I think it's like 30 bucks of credit for that. And so people were getting like fifteen dollars if they had a full year on this, but they would lose those extra years beyond the you know the full year that they had because that credit caps for what it allows to discount off of the upgrade. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're losing time because Nintendo doesn't 
allow you to do this. And if you're buying these upgrades, it's and you're under a year, it extends. It's doing a year subscription from the day you signed up for this upgrade. So if I had the six months or so that I had, it would have had me pay for the the rest of that time to get to the full year for a Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack membership. There's like a slight discount, it's like 10 bucks off, but that's not a discount that gets me to put down the money for it. Uh, so that's kind mm. of the the whole weird thing with the the way they're doing this. So financially, there's no point where this was enticing to me to actually uh, pay the extra money because I was expecting it to be like about a prorated amount for like six months for the rest of the term that I had. Not, oh, we got to bump you up to a full year from when you do this upgrade. So they're, you're paying the 50 bucks essentially either way because it's what's the cost of what's left on your current subscription minus, you know, what the the full year would cost outside of that. It's such a ridiculous way to do that because I don't know of any other service that does that, that forces you to extend the current subscription you have just to upgrade to the next tier kind of thing. Because I've done that with HBO Max where I signed up for the the $10 tier. Then I realized the the $15 tier was the one that's, uh, you needed to watch the current movies that were in theaters and mm-hmm. they let you just pay the five bucks to upgrade instead of being like, no, now you got to pay, you know, for, you know, X more amount of time just to cover this switch. It's like, this is ridiculous. Cause the, the expansion pack membership is a full 12. There's no one month or three month option there. Like there is for the regular one. So Unless they make some big changes on that end, I don't see myself subscribing to this unless somehow I just happen into a bunch of credit and just decide to put it in. Uh, so that's like the, the financial aspect of this. But people are finding a lot of issues with the N64 stuff. It seems like the, the Genesis games are actually uh, handled really well, mm-hmm. uh, which it should be because there's a bunch of Genesis collections out there that Sega's done that should be pretty easy to do, especially if they had like M2 work on it and whatnot, that all seems to work really well for them. So let's see in 64 games that are the big issue. If you have a, if you got the wireless in 64 controller, everything works well control wise, but if you don't, you're trying to play six button games on a four button controller that has two shoulder buttons, but the ergonomics of the way these games were designed doesn't work so well on a regular you know switch with joy cons or a pro controller or something like that where they all randomly seem to be designed to move at least two of those c buttons to shoulder buttons or something some other thing that is just so weird mm-hmm. it's uh, the obvious problem that comes with trying to cover this kind of control system that i it's just kind of weird, especially, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing. And you can't, there's no customization. You can't like remap things to uh, maybe try for a better option unless you do it system, the system settings, which applies to every game. So you'd have to constantly change it back and forth. If you want to go play regular game, uh, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the very annoying thing with the, how this whole thing is set up uh, the emulation itself seems to be not great at times. 
there are lag, uh, input lag, option uh, or not options, but uh, issues in some of these games, especially like Ocarina of Time. Uh, there are, I believe, issues with the way that it is rendering uh, textures and all this kind of stuff in the game. So the fog in Ocarina of Time looks different than it does in the the original game. Uh, textures look a little bit different. All that kind of stuff where it's just weird as hell. The the multiplayer stuff seems to be basically based on, you know, the individual connections joining the game. So there are definitely videos of Mario Kart 64 uh, where it just looks so bad, but it it's pretty sure that it's people having, at least one person having a bad connection as mm. people are prone to do with Wi-Fi focused, you know, connections. That uh, and the other thing is uh, you remember there was the the uh, uh, the memory card that you could have that plugged into the back of the controller. Yep. The uh, the controller pack. Mm -hmm. uh, this thing does not emulate that at all. Nope. So if games have requirements for that to save, uh, you cannot save in game. Uh, I think Mario Kart uses that for ghost data. So you can't save any of that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think they do do rumble. Uh, so you don't need to, you know, worry about a rumble pack for that. Uh, so that's good, I guess. That would be the bare minimum to do. The controller, I believe, just has that that whole uh, connection on the, the back of the controller just as a plug up. It's plugged up. So there's no, I assume there's no connection in it. That'd be dumb to put that in there. Uh, so, you know, there's nothing you can do to plug in a uh, controller pack to save. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's just very weird. The only way you can obviously save is with, with those sort of games is a, a save state. So there's that. And I think those N64 games also don't have uh, rewind. Because mm -hmm. that's just too much for whatever whatever tech they're working on to emulate all this stuff. So there's a whole host of weird, weird ass issues going on with this thing that if you're a purist, there's no reason for you to ever do it this way, to go through this system. You would just mm. have your own uh, setup on your retro arch or whatever you use a retro pie, any of that kind of stuff to uh, emulate that in a more proper mm. and exact way. Not to uh, take this part of the discussion too far, but were, were you both uh, N64 people growing up? Or? Uh, I had a, a Nintendo 64. I was not a huge fan of a lot of the games. Uh, that was kind of the, the point where I was probably at my lowest in interest on Nintendo stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I did play like the Aki wrestling games a lot and a few other games. But yeah, like, Super Mario 64, I was not a huge fan of. Uh, it was fine, but uh, coming off of, uh, what was it, uh, Yoshi's Island, I was like, this game looks bad, Super Mario 64. Mm. Uh, Ocarina of Time, I just didn't really have interest in it, in a Zelda game, really, at that point. Um, there wasn't really much else from Nintendo on there. I played a little bit of Smash Brothers. Uh, the sports games, the Mario sports games were all right. Mario Party was all right. It's kind of Nintendo at kind of their weakest in terms of output and and quality in some parts of their their library there. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. What about you? 
well, I did have a, I did have a Nintendo 64, and I actually, I still do have it around here somewhere. Um, uh, be completely honest, though, uh, um, unless it was one of the first party titles, um, most of my gaming was more or less centered around the PlayStation. Um, but obviously, I liked, you know, Super Mario 64, and I liked. Zelda, you know, Ocarina of Time. Um, I like the Yoshi story, and you know, you know, there were there was definitely good stuff on it, but you know, as far as like as far as like Nintendo consoles go, as far as I'm concerned, it's probably the one that had the least uh, playability ratio for me. Well, for me. Um... I was sort of like trying to uh, correct a mistake, if you will, because like, yeah, my my uh, gaming history is NES and then Sega Genesis and then N64. So it was my foray back into Nintendo. And the only reason why I as a kid was because it had four controller ports. So I thought it would yeah. be like just the most fun. And like, and the, and like for, for what that did, yeah, of course, it, it served its purpose. Um, I do have a lot of fond memories of the N64, but the reason why I brought up this discussion in the first place was because when we were talking about uh, the whole controller pack thing not being emulated on the, on the uh, NSO, and it got me thinking, like, I actually had a controller pack, but there weren't too many games that actually used it. Yes, I know it saved game data on, the, uh, on, on Mario Kart 64, but other than that, there weren't a whole lot of first-party games, and that was mostly what I had on, on the N64 that actually utilized the thing, because most of the, most of the games were actually just saveable on the cartridge. So, I mean, I'm not giving a Nintendo a pass for not emulating that in, but when I think about it, like, the controller pack was sort of an unnecessary expense. There weren't too many games that actually used it. So it'll be interesting to see what Nintendo does as far as its future N64 NSO library. Because like I said, like um, I had to really try hard to convince my parents to get me one of those things. And they were 40 bucks. You know, that was like almost or pretty much the amount of a player's choice game back then. So yeah, just uh, thought I'd mention that. But um, yeah, I, I don't have uh, the NSO update yet, uh, mainly because uh, I just want to make sure that uh, my friends are cool with it. I know at the end of the day, they probably don't care, but it's also me having to contact, like, you know, seven other people. And I don't really want to do that. But no one has has reached out to me about whether to do it anyway. And, and I don't know if it's because they don't care or they don't know it exists or they don't want it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I believe there is one game in the lineup that requires it. Uh, Winback, I believe, is the one that uh, requires it. I'm trying to find a list here of games that use it or require it, and unfortunately it's hard to find. It's just like, uh, people mention a couple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate... Uh, let's see. Okay, this one might... Okay, this one seems to have it. Uh, yeah, Winback. Yeah, Winback uses the controller pack versus uh, uh, the EEPROM or SRAM, I guess, are the, the two different main ways of saving uh, on the card itself yeah. or Flash RAM. Uh, so those are a lot of Nintendo ones because I assume Nintendo would be like, hey, we need to uh, not ask people to buy a, a separate control or a separate memory card thing 
at least if they're going to buy, you know, our system was Super Mario 64. What else was an early game? Ocarina of Time, that kind oh. of stuff. That, uh, yeah. But they put a game in here that does not have a native way to save in the game. Oh. Uh, that you have to use the save states to keep progress. And it's not like a game where it's maybe more disposable on your sessions. It's, you know, uh, a game that has a campaign to play through oh. kind of thing. So that's kind of the the weird thing for that. The other Mario Kart is, you know, one that has an internal save for most of it, but also use a controller pack for that ghost data. And so, yeah, people have been kind of, I don't know, data mining to figure out what else could be coming to this. And there's... Uh, evidence support there's you know more than just the the handful of games they've announced are coming in later uh you know mm. paper mario uh majora's mask that kind of stuff but mm. yeah that's uh, mm. uh that'll be interesting to jump into more of that stuff like potentially like for you know smash brothers and excite bike and some of these other games that uh could be a good way to flesh this out but it depends on how fast they add it in because they're expecting people to pay, you know, thirty bucks more for the individual membership, or you know, uh, forty-five bucks more for the the family pack uh, mm-hmm. thing. That's you know, it's a lot to ask of people. That seems to be why they threw in the Animal Crossing DLC as a mm. you know a value upgrade on that stuff. But yeah, that's yeah. That's that, so none of us seem to have it for various reasons of not having the money for it or wanting to spend the money or not having the interest of other people in the family plan who Mm -hmm. want the upgrade. Yeah. makes a lot of sense because I think the NES and Super Nintendo stuff is um, a pretty good, pretty decent value for that 20 bucks. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you get into N64 and not having it be rock solid terms of how you handle controls and uh, the various weird little quirks that these games have as far as like requiring an external save option, uh, piece of hardware, that kind of stuff. It's like, what happens when they get to Donkey Kong 64? Do they have a way to emulate the uh, the RAM cartridge, whatever that was, that allowed mm-hmm. the, the system to run it? Especially if they get to, you know, a perfect dark, that kind of thing that also required it. But yeah, it doesn't seem to think that far ahead. Nope. So otherwise, they would have solved some of these issues before they launched this. You know, had the ability to customize the controls because there's mm. a reason these games are hard to you know emulate properly on normal controllers because it was a three pronged nightmare of a a thing. Yeah, with a middle you know analog stick that was rather abrasive. To the scan. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That Super Mario Party, uh, or that Mario Party collection has one of those games that asks you to swirl the stick. Um, yeah. It's not a Nintendo 64 stick. It is a Joy-Con stick, which you know, are famously uh, built so well, they never deteriorate in quality. Definitely. Nope. So, yeah. That's, never, uh, never, never. Yeah. That's Nintendo's issue for the time being is figure out how to to make this better maybe make the the thing worth people's money 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure plenty of people have paid up for it and had fun and all that because the you know the the frames of lag and whatnot might not be that big of a deal to some of these people because they haven't played it in 20. But there are people that want the things to be done well. Unfortunately, they've done much better jobs in separate releases for you know Ocarina of Time and Super Mario 64 and Majora's Mask and some of these other games. Mm-hmm. So that kind of undermines their own service in a way. Mm. So yeah, that's that's the other hot topic of the week of things that are out now that may or may not have. So let's get to I think it's going to be an even, an even bigger topic next week when the Animal Crossing DLC comes out, because that's a huge value as part of the package if you have the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people figuring out how to acquire it so that multiple people on one Switch can access it on different accounts. Because uh, I forget if you... I think you might have to buy it on different accounts if you're playing with multiple people. Yeah. Which might then make that family plan more feasible, uh, especially if you uh, share that with other people outside of your house. Kind yeah. of thing. I don't know, but I would assume that anybody with Animal Crossing and the online expansion can download it. But you know, as soon as that subscription ends, kaputs. Yeah, yeah, that's the weird way that they've handled this whole Animal Crossing thing, where it could be a pain in the butt to have people on the same system play it, but separately. And then they got DLC coming that's maybe a little bit more challenging to figure out how everybody can get access to it in a cheaper way. I don't know. At least the subscription is for a full year, so you've got almost a full year to play it. If you want to keep dealing with that stuff, you can pay the 25 bucks. But yeah. Nintendo's got problems, PR problems. See if they can Issues. solve Issues, yes. But yeah, let's get to something that comes out pretty soon. The Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster. Uh, the yeah. latest of that series. They've been putting these out pretty uh, consistent. Yeah. Yeah, about every other month for beyond the first three games. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming six will be out by uh, December. Yeah, at some point, hopefully before the end of the year. But uh, Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster will be out November 10th on Steam and mobile. Mm-hmm. I think there's a discount on it to pre-order. I believe, I assume that Green Man Gaming will continue to have another discount that makes it even cheaper to mm-hmm. pre-order. Uh, the only knock is that you don't get the code until it's actually out. So you can't really pre-order it and preload it, but it's also Final Fantasy V. It's not more than a few yeah. hundred megabytes. So nope. It'll take you pretty quick to get through there. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh but that like three is one of those Final Fantasy games that's not as well revered as the others. I also don't think it had released. Well it's mostly because it had the misfortune of for Final Fantasy Six. <laughs> Which is generally considered to be like the high point of this of the two D era of that series. Yeah, though it didn't release here for a while. Uh, well, it came out as Final Fantasy three. I thought that was six. That is six, but Final Fantasy five. Yeah, it didn't come out. Wow, I think it came out in the PS one collection. Yeah, it did. It six or four. Or... 
I forget what it was. It was sex. It was sex. I know because I played it. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is one of the better ones because the the Chrono Trigger port and that kind of stuff just didn't necessarily run all that well because uh, mm. Square decided to cheap out on doing the emulator work for those releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eventually got better. Yeah, it was five and six was in that one. Uh, the European edition had four and five, but yeah, that's uh, that's coming out here pretty soon. Eighteen bucks for it. Twenty uh, yeah. percent discount on Steam, so just under fifteen. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty decent price for it. Yep. Is that the one that starts with you and Mex or something like that? Uh, it's been a while, so I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see. We got one other date-related news here, and that is that the Halo games on the Xbox 360, their online servers, mm-hmm. are mostly going to be shutting down here pretty soon on January 13th, 2022. Yep, next year. Uh, yeah, they announced this last year, last December, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was initially announced to be December 2021. Uh, now they have sort of revised that. It's going to be in January, so you get a couple mm. more weeks there. Uh, yeah. But they do have a a wild little chart here of what are all the services that are affected on these games. That is uh, Halo 3, ODST, the anniversary edition of the original Halo, the remaster they did there, mm-hmm. uh, Halo Wars, Halo Spartan Assault, Halo Reach, and Halo 4 mm. are going to be losing... Uh, some or all of its online functionality. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the chart here has like matchmakings coming out of Halo Reach, Halo 4, Halo 3, and ODST. Like file sharing's getting removed from those four games. Some mm-hmm. of your service record stuff, challenges, player customization, match of the day type stuff, uh, other yeah. things that required uh, these certain server things that they're sunsetting, uh, which. I assume they would say, like, hey, if you want to keep playing these games in a way that will last for a while longer, get the Master Chief Collection on an Xbox One or Series X or S or even on PC Mm -hmm. uh, for that. So, yeah, there's a a good FAQ here asking or answering a bunch of questions so you can check that out. That's That's a public service announcement there for you. Mm. Uh, but sort of uh, uh, good news for Halo stuff they did a sort of re-reveal for the Halo Infinite campaign uh, earlier this week putting out like a six minute video that didn't have a ton in it but showed off uh, some more story stuff and some campaign stuff of how things work in there Mm -hmm. Uh, looks a lot better than what we saw a little over a year ago Mm -hmm. Uh, which makes sense for them putting you know almost a full year more into that game yeah because i remember the the demo came out and a lot of people terribly impressed yeah i don't know what the heck they were thinking was going to happen when they showed that off yeah as a launch title for the series x and s mm-hmm because uh, now it's looking a lot better, even though they're still cutting some corners, not having the, uh, the campaign co-op in there. 
Mm. Uh, no ray tracing, no forge mode in there as well. So there's still things that they've had to cut out for the sake of getting uh, the multiplayer and the, the solo campaign in there at uh, launch on December 8th. So mm-hmm. it seems to have a much more positive reception now, especially mm-hmm. that meme character Craig, I guess now looks a lot better. So, you know, good for Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's yeah. see. Let's see. Uh, PS5. Uh-huh. The music streaming stuff they've had for a while now that has Spotify support in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've added a new service that you can stream from, Apple Music. Yep. Yeah. So if, you ha- so if you have that service, you can stream all the, the various music you have attached to that account and all that mm-hmm. uh, to your PS5 to listen to while you're playing games and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's good for those people. Yeah, yeah, I welcome it. It's not something I've really understood. Like even back when they had like custom soundtracks on the Xbox and stuff, I'm like, the games have music now, mm-hmm. unless you know they're listening to licensed music or licensed music in a game. Yeah, I understand like having your own thing, but like, you know, well, well, our our next story is about a composer who's leaving, and like, you know, like if, if I were playing something like something like like Persona, and I was listening to like I don't know Slipknot, I'd, I'd be like, why am I playing this game? But yeah, I get it. You know, people are going to use it. Uh, should definitely be happy. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are plenty of games out there that do not uh, have much music or are sort of repetitive in a way that maybe you want something to keep you occupied a bit more uh, mm-hmm. mentally while you're playing, you know, multiplayer games or, you know, Minecraft or something. Uh, so yeah, that's a. Uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Have some more options there instead of just pulling up your phone to listen to these, listen to stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the the next bit of news here. The 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 main composer for the Persona series, Shoji Meguro, is leaving yeah. Atlas to work on indie games. Now, like compose yeah. them to actually design and make indie games. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sad, but I mean. And, you know, when you get at that at that point in that dude's career, he's probably just like, look, I, I can't, you know, I've done plenty for Atlas and for, you know, the big studio. Now it's time for me to go on and do my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he started there in 1995. Mm-hmm. His first game being Revelations Persona in 1996. Yep. Essentially setting the tone for all of the Persona games. In the past 26 years. Mm. Uh, I don't think he worked on every single game, but he's worked on the vast majority of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a big loss for the Atlas team, but they'll find cool people to make more music for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he said, uh, let's see, I've been creating role-playing games by myself during my spare time for the past five years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had applied to enter the Kodansha Game Creators Lab, was selected yep. as a finalist and that apparently inspired, inspired him to uh, decide to make indie games full time. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. The dude's, I mean, the dude's music is pretty, is iconic for, you know, the Persona series, mostly because of the fact that it completely defied, you know, expectations of what 
a JRPG soundtrack is supposed to sound like. You know, like... Yeah. And uh, while he's no longer, you know, uh, he, he doesn't have a full-time job of Atlas anymore, he did say that he still plans on working and helping out with their teams whenever possible. And I'd assume mm-hmm. something like Persona 6 has already been in development. So you would think that he already has his hands in it, sort of. So it's not like he's leaving, mm-hmm. like, it, it completely. I mean, like, uh, Nobu Matsu works on a lot of um, stuff outside of Final, Final Fantasy, but he's still going to be given his credit um, when, he, when he works on it. So I'd imagine for mm-hmm. someone at Zero, he'll get his too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool to see some of the stuff he's working on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do want speaking to, of... Go ahead. Uh, you do want to see the baton uh, uh, be passed as well. Because, like, one of the issues, Japanese creative especially is like, you know, um the older folks just won't step away either because, you know, they're they're workaholics or, you know, the the culture is different where like you don't necessarily get the senior positions. Young and old have very different meanings in Japan and the United States. So mm-hmm. yes, I know the anime uh industry has definitely been affected by the fact that there's a lot of young talent out there, but they still can't, you know, um get the Yeah. Seniority is is a big deal in not just Japanese entertainment, but Japanese culture in general. So they just kind of just don't want to rock the boat, really. Yeah, you kind of see that with uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who's kind of just a a creative dude now. Mm-hmm. Not really a an exec so much in the way that like Iwata was or Reggie or anything. He's just like, ah, oh, you'll come in uh, occasionally on titles they're working on and. Add add opinions to them, maybe make changes. Well, that's normal. Well, well, the thing with the, with Miyamoto is that nine times ten, his instincts right. You know, he's and then then that one time is we music. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that and Star Fox Zero with the uh, the control the con- the controls for that one was the big pain for that one. But yeah, largely. And I was just like, oh, he's he's an idea guy. Mm-hmm. And so they can also have him out on conferences on occasion or videos to announce that Chris Pratt is going to play Mario in a movie. Mm-hmm. That's where he's at in his career at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's that. But uh, speaking of cool people working on potentially cool stuff, uh, Amy Hedding has had a. Rough couple of years here since leaving the Naughty Dog studio. Yeah, she's had uh, like two projects. She's had like two major projects I know of that sank without a trace because of like some corporate bullshit at up top. Like I know she was working on a Star Wars project and then EA ended up fucking up the license and so that ended up sinking. And I know there was something else she was working on that, that ended up kind of getting bought off by another company and they're kind of putting her name to it, but she didn't, there's very little of her actual work involved with it. I know, I know that she is doing some writing for, for spoken. For yeah. Air. Yeah. Um, but this time it looks like she's actually got a problem. Yeah. She's working on a Marvel game with Skydance mm-hmm. media. And Skydance Media is maybe not a name that you know of, but mm-hmm. we talked about one of their games earlier in the show. Uh, mm-hmm. They made the, or they published 
the uh, VR game, the Walking, uh, the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Mm-hmm. It's one of their games. Uh, they do movies and TV shows as well. Uh, yeah. That kind of stuff. But uh, they've been getting more into games. Mostly working on VR games uh, up until now. But this seems like it'll be a proper like action-adventure game. Mm-hmm. Maybe like one that she worked on quite a bit. It's like Uncharted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have no idea what sort of character or whatever. She's tweeted out saying that you know, she's working on a, a new Marvel game over at Skydance mm-hmm. New Media, but can't share anything more just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if it's if it's Marvel, it's also Disney, so she definitely can't say anything. Um, funny because she also already had that opportunity a few years ago. Um, Star Wars, like you mentioned, so it's 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 interesting how you can go from Naughty Dog to Star Wars and now Marvel. The funny part is she never actually released anything. She's just been overseeing various stuff that never saw the end of the uh, tunnel and uh hopefully she does it this time um skydance is pretty interesting in the sense that yeah they have that one walking dead game you mentioned but i can't even tell you whether it's good or not um but mm-hmm. yeah as they're also a film company so she should have a bunch of different resources at her disposal um i also noticed that that studio is also widely hiring so they're definitely in pre-alpha of what they're doing so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see far they get with it and hopefully she actually does get to finish this because it's been a while since she actually has shipped out a product so yeah like over a decade but yeah that is a uh, that is something neat that amy hennig is working on mm-hmm. uh but let's see the next thing here a company that you know the stuff they have worked on but you may not know the name crafton uh the mm-hmm. company that essentially owns all the PUBG stuff uh, runs all that has acquired Unknown Worlds Entertainment, the studio behind the Subnautica games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not sort of folding them into working on PUBG stuff. They're going to be uh, doing something new, uh, but sort of allowed to work independently uh, for the for whatever their next game is. So that is uh, nice that they'll have some more uh, security there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to keep growing, uh, look forward to seeing what what they're doing next. Mm. So there you go. Mm. Uh, speaking of security, this uh, this next story is about not having security. Nintendo has announced that they are shutting down their Redwood City offices as well as the Toronto offices, and mm-hmm. sort of focusing all of their North America uh, sales marketing and all that work in. Uh, the Seattle, uh, the Redmond area, and Vancouver, BC for Canada-specific stuff. Mm. Uh, displacing about 100 people. Maybe some will make the move to the, the headquarters in each of those countries, but uh, at least a good bit of those probably will not. Mm. So that's a, a shame for all the people that have been affected. Hopefully they do not have to wait too long to find new work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some more sad news for Nintendo this week. Yeah, I'm wondering what the reason is for for the closer. Are they just downsizing or something? Or when the main thing that makes this weird is that um, I know that the office in Redwood uh, Shores, which is like near where I work, is primarily uh, marketing and communications. A lot of PR folk work there. Like um, 
uh, Eddie Garcia, uh, Kid and Krista from the Nintendo Minute. And as far as I'm concerned, they still have their jobs. Um, and I know they actually haven't been going into work because they're, they're work from home mode. So if I were to take mm-hmm. a guess, assuming Nintendo just, does, just doesn't want to pay for that real estate anymore. That being said, you know, I just mentioned a few people. I didn't mention 100 or anything. So I don't know what's going on with the company. But uh, yeah, this is uh, unfortunate for a bunch of reasons. Just because, yeah, one, like this is, uh, um, you know, obviously you, you, you don't want to see people's livelihoods affected. Um, but again, I'm wondering um, how many people it actually did affect considering they were all they were all work from home. And I, ha- I haven't seen like any tweets from anybody saying that they've lost their job. So it's definitely something to... Um, to look more into um mm-hmm. but yeah it sucks because one reason is like it's this is actually a company that i've um or, or a studio that i've tried to like apply for a bunch of times and now i know i definitely will not work there in california yeah but yeah if if if, if, if anybody's been affected like you know for real on this it's it sucks but i'm i'm, I'm sure they'll land on their people yeah as for the, the, the toronto office i have no idea what, what even happens happens in there so <laughs> yeah 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 so that's uh that's the the sour news on nintendo right now Yep. Uh, let's get to another company, Ubisoft. They yeah. had sort of a earnings report whole thing going on uh, earlier this week. And uh, part of that was them talking about how they were investing into the blockchain for games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, let's see, they, uh, yeah, according to the report, the company recently invested in Animoca Brands. Animoca is a video game studio that develops games utilizing blockchain technology. Some mm-hmm. of its games contain items such as non-fungible tokens or NFTs, with one yeah. game allowing players to create their own NFTs. It also produces fungible tokens as in-game currency. They're also supporting blockchain initiatives through its Entrepreneur Lab in France, and its website lists multiple cryptocurrency startups it has supported including Horizon blockchain games, non-fungible, and Crucible. The earnings report also mentions that Ubisoft is a founding member of the Blockchain Games Alliance. And Ubisoft claims it's investing in blockchain so players can be, quote, true stakeholders of its game worlds, which makes zero sense. Uh, Blockchain investment also gives Ubisoft the perspective to reflect on the best ways to overcome blockchain's initial limitations for gaming around sustainability and scalability the earnings mm. report suggest, which is like, I don't know how they're going to give players, you know, the opportunity to be true stakeholders of its games worlds. Yeah. That, that's yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. NFTs are a scam in and of themselves, but yeah. Yeah. Just why am I like predicting that they're, going to be this huge like scandal in the next couple of years that Ubisoft is like money wise like super in the red and they've ended up wasting a bunch of money on bullshit like this I don't know I don't it seems like they're working with a lot of their extra in earnings in this kind of stuff yeah I don't know man it's just something something about that there, there is shit shit for that company has been getting weird over the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm honestly, you know, just, I don't know. It may just be me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, market it as a scam or anything. Um, but uh, a lot of people I've worked with 
left the company for blockchain startups. Um, and a lot of these blockchain startups are being funded by a lot of respected angel investors throughout both the gaming industry and money in general. And the main thing you want to do in your business is to follow the money. And um, blockchains and uh, what's it called? NFTs are a good, are not not good, but they're 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 an interesting way of monetizing uh, various forms of content, and that's something you um, already see in all sorts of games. Like no, no matter what category, like you know, uh, before mobile gaming, uh, there was Facebook gaming, but you know that's obviously only limited to Facebook, and eventually security mm-hmm. got them in trouble. And uh, mobile gaming is now like the most profitable form of the medium in the world. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think uh, NFTs and blockchains are next. Um, I know a lot of um, project managers are in, in various gaming companies are looking into it. And I, it just looks like Ubisoft is the first one to officially dip their toes into it. But I can tell you that everybody is looking into how to get involved with this somehow. Um, but mm-hmm. like... Um, nothing is a guarantee. Like uh, WWE also j- jumped into like selling John Cena NFTs, and I don't think they've made any money off that at all. So it's really like just luck of the draw, and we'll see how this goes. Yeah, it almost kind of feels like the the dot com boom, almost like the everybody wanting to get some sort of big website out there, uh, take advantage of all this, you know, hot technology, all that kind of stuff. And then at a certain point, it just all fucking blew up in these rich assholes' faces. Uh, and there's only the ones run by people that actually knew what they were doing that survived yeah. any you know length of time. And that's something that could be what's happening here as well. Is there's a lot of people with lots of money see opportunities to make more of it, and they're investing in it early on the hopes that it does. Mm-hmm. But smart companies won't invest, you know, a ton of their own. Mm. Like a THQ Nordic investing in those stupid tablets, way overproduced to the point that it just killed them financially when it didn't sell. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the the weird thing is these companies start looking into this stuff. Because I'm not even sure like what the sort of games that would even take advantage of this stuff. Other than it just being a form of like an avatar you could have on your like player card. Mm-hmm. Which is like the stuff you can already fucking do. I don't know why this needs to be some huge revelry JPEGs. But yeah, that's that's it for this part of the news of the show. Let's get to the state of play that happened. And it seemed like a lot of people hated it because they were expecting Call of Duty and Final Fantasy 16 and all this other wild stuff that I didn't get at all that that was going to be here at the show. Expected Call of Duty? Why? Who cares? <laughs> I don't know. When people think of third parties, Call of Duty's the biggest third party game. What do they have to show? Yes. A new gun? Come on, who cares? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Frank the Rabbit, they're putting that in Warzone from uh, Honey Darko. That's yeah. a fucking weird ass thing. He can, he can face John McClane and, and all these other characters they've had in that game. Mm-hmm. Now, so. I don't know. People are weird. Whenever there's mm. any of these streams, they think of the, the most, the most uh, amazing things that could happen and, and never met. We'll talk about what did happen here. 
um, it, it, it was, uh, like, it's weird that people have their expectations when Sony already said, yeah, we're going to feature a lot of uh, Little Devil Inside. Cool. I mean, what does Little Devil Inside have to do with Call of Duty? Like, I, I, I have no idea. You know, like, um, I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and talk about it after you finish this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they had, uh, let's see, about 10 games here to show mm-hmm. off a few that we had already known about, uh, but some that we didn't. Uh, they mm-hmm. kicked it off here with a multiplayer game called Death vs. Let It Die. When I was watching this, I was like, there's something about this that reminds me of Let It Die, and then it ended up being, yeah, the uh, follow-up to Let It Die. Let It Die, yeah. It was like a multiplayer melee action game uh, with a bit of, like, PvPVE stuff to it. Uh, they mm-hmm. presented, like, some of the top-level stuff about the game. Uh, for this announcement, sort of that it's kind of done as like a game show mm-hmm. uh, for people to fight for, you know, fame and fortune and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, yeah. Uh, Uncle Death, I think, is also part of this as well in some form. Uh, they have a quote from him in some way. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite uh, Grasshopper no longer being a part of, of, uh, Gung Ho Entertainment. This is still being made by uh, the Let It Die team that has formed yep. their left Grasshopper, formed a new studio called Super Trick. This is what they've been working on. Mm-hmm. A sort of an expansion of the idea into more of a multiplayer thing. So looks kind of mm-hmm. neat. Could be fun. Yeah. And the way they describe some of the gameplay mechanics is looking pretty cool for what it is. So mm-hmm. that'll be nice to see. Whenever that's ready, at some point, some point next year, they've said, uh, for the PS5 and PS4. It'll be a free-to-play title. So, yeah. Uh, second game they showed off, We Are OFK. Yep. Yeah, it seems like a uh, an indie, episodic, uh, you know, music enter, uh, adventure kind of game. Mm. Uh, Narrative-focused, I think they said five episodes. I don't know if it's staggered release or all at once. But this is the new game that uh, Teddy Deef has been working on, who has, uh, says he co-designed Hyperlight Drifter, but this is nothing like that, mm-hmm. uh, stylistically and all that. Uh, but they are working with the indie pop band OFK to make yeah. this like fun little comedic adventure narrative game. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of like texting and weird moments and music and all that kind of stuff to it that Looks like it'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be on PS5, PS4, and PC in 2022. Mm-hmm. If it looks like one to check out, that could be pretty cool. Uh, and then they mm-hmm. dropped a big announcement here that Bug Snacks is getting a big new update coming out early 2022 called the Isle of Big Snacks, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is going to add a new area where uh, the Bug snacks that are there are much bigger. Mm. Uh, new designs for them. There's like a bunger that is way bigger and has like giant tater tots for legs and antenna or whatever on the front of it. Uh, it seems like you have uh, items you can get that can shrink or grow them maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also as part of this free updates, you can put hats on the bug snacks. Because, of course, you can, and they also have kind of finished the uh, little 
huts in the village. And mm -hmm. so you can sort of customize and design how they look uh, as well. So that's all going to be in a free update. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, they say over 100 challenges and 30 quests being added to the game. 200 decorations to collect and display. A dozen new bug snacks to capture and feed to your friends. And more dialogue as the voice cast has all this new stuff. So that's pretty cool to see. More of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's also Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. We got a gameplay trailer. Show off sort of how it plays and all that. Yeah. Uh, which is like a, you know, a stealth game. Uh, mixed with horror as the animatronic uh, robots are sort of exploring the facility mm -hmm. after hours. It's like a indoor theme park kind of area. Yeah. Uh, so you have like little tunnels and such you can use to get between areas, uh, but also like a, a suit, a robot suit that you can also get into to walk yeah. around amongst them to fool them, all that kind of yep. stuff as you try to survive the night. Yeah. And once like again, yeah, once again, it looks great. And once again, I will not my childhood fears come to life. Yeah. Um, uh, because those games legitimately terrify me. I, that, that serious, I'm terrified by animatronics. I cannot, you know, that was the reason I could never go into Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid, because those freaking animatronic puppets scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Yeah. For me, it was clowns. Yeah, yeah well, they got clowns in the... And in, in Five Nights at Freddy's as well, so... <laughs> yeah, so this one and, is going to be PS5, PS4, PC, December 16th. So mm -hmm. it'll be out in a month and a half or so. Yeah. That's... To check out. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. The next game they showed, Death's Door, is coming yep. out November 23rd for PS5, PS4, and Switch. Mm -hmm. That game is really good. If you haven't checked it out yet, definitely check mm -hmm. it out. It's a very good sort of action uh, adventure game. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun stuff there. Yeah, uh, Death's Door is... Uh... Definitely going to find its way into the top three of my uh, Game of the Year list. It is totally fun, and I totally look forward to playing it on PS4 so I can get trophies instead of achievements. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and let's see. The next thing they showed off was Kart Rider Drift, a free-to-play kart racing game uh, that'll be getting a closed beta on December 8th. You can go mm -hmm. onto their site and sign up for it. Uh, for this, it's going to be only on the PS4, but the the game is also coming out on Xbox One and PC when it eventually releases next year as a free-to-play game. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like it has a lot of uh, cross-play, cross-progression support, uh, a lot of online multiplayer, and it seems like the there's also a lot of customization and all that kind of stuff, different characters, and a lot of like livery customization stuff as well. Uh, mm -hmm. A little bit like uh, Mod Nation Racers in that yeah. aspect. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a neat looking game. Curious to see how that plays out. I signed up for the closed beta, so maybe we'll get to try that out in December. Uh, let's see. Yeah. They also had a trailer for King of Fighters 15. Uh, mm -hmm. They're having an open beta that starts November 19th to the 22nd. 
with like eight yeah. characters that you can check out on PS5 and PS4. Uh, the game itself is also coming to Xbox and PC, but I think this open beta is just for the PlayStation consoles. But yeah, this game still has the specter of the new owners of SNK, uh, partially owned by uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Yep. Not great for anybody that knows about what the regime there has done Mm -hmm. under his watch. So that's uh, the, the, the big negative there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they had a trailer for first class trouble, which is announced that it was going to be on PlayStation plus Mm. and that it was uh, showed off uh, some of the gameplay, how it works, that kind of stuff. Uh, Mm. So you can watch that to learn a bit more before it comes out on PlayStation plus. Mm. Uh, that is uh, yeah, PS5, PS4 for the time being for that. And then they showed probably uh, the biggest game of the show just because it's uh, a Square Enix game, Star Ocean yeah. Divine Force, and yeah. very much uh, made by yeah, Square Enix and Triace. And mm-hmm. looks like they did not get nearly enough of a budget for this, for a game that's coming to oh. PS5, PS4, Xbox and PC because the character design is very dumpy. Yeah. And my character looks like a if you fucked up making the MMO character. His hair is way too big for his face. Uh, yeah. Looks like yeah, it looks like a low budget JRPG. Yeah. You know, it's weirdly looks like they learned a lot from you know near Automata and yeah. maybe Breath of the Wild a little bit of having like big open worlds. You got a glider that you can use to get around uh, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff might be fun to play, but the, the visual style and the, the, the polish of all of that, the, they showed a little bit of gameplay and that was not running anywhere close to 60 frames per second. Yeah. Uh, as the game was like, Oh, it's this new star ocean game. Oh, I hope this is coming out late 2022 because it needs more time. Mm-hmm. Is it PS5 or PS5? It's both. Oh, it's both. Oh, my God. Yeah, this... Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember... So, I, I didn't watch this live, but then I got the notice and emails about Star Ocean, and I was like, cool. Um, granted, the last one I beat and enjoyed was um, Till the End of Time on PS2, and I got pretty far in Second Departure, but otherwise, I wouldn't really consider myself a Star Ocean fan. It just seemed like a spacey... Uh, Tales game, but mm-hmm. yeah, I do want to get into and this doesn't really help. It kind of reminded me of a, uh, it looks worse than Xenoblade Chronicles, and Xenoblade Chronicles is, is, is on an inferior uh, uh, hardware, so I'm like, man, like you can see where they tried to copy various games, but they also did nothing to really make it stand out in such a way where you can be excited about it. So I hope this is a budget title, and if not, Yeesh, try Ace, come on. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily put on try Ace as a Square Enix for the ones funding it to not giving them the resources to make it as good as possible. Yeah. We also haven't heard try Ace in a while, so I would assume that this has been what they're working on, and this, I don't know, it's, this ain't it, so. Yeah, Square Enix is having a hell of a time celebrating anniversaries because this is what they announced as part of the 25th anniversary for that series. 
Mm-hmm. And for Tomb Raider, all they announced was that they're porting the the two <laughs> Lara Croft digital games to yeah, the Switch. Yeah. I was like, oh. The rest was just like, oh, we got a TV show we're still working on for next year. That's not the 25th anniversary, but, you know, that's the weird thing that's they haven't had projects lining up with their their anniversary. I guess maybe the Final Fantasy one's the only one, but that's because there's anniversaries every year for Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them out there, but that was like the the big biggest announcement of like, oh, this okay, Star Ocean the Divine Force, PS5, PS4, you know, Xbox Series X and all that. Uh, but no, it doesn't look like they're putting in, you know, anything close to what you know, Forspoken or Final Fantasy 16 are getting. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, not great when they put it on this kind of uh, showcase. Yeah. This pedestal here. Good job, Square mm-hmm. Enix. At the end of the day, maybe it'll be as snappy as an East game, but that's a huge maybe. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, and then they ended the state of play with some uh, extended gameplay of Little Devil Inside. Uh, an indie game they've been talking about for a while. Uh, I think it's been the first time we've seen it since probably early this year. Yeah. Uh, but looks pretty neat. It's it's a little bit hard to get a grasp on sort of what sort of game it is. It seems like it's got some combat action in there. A lot mm. of like exploring these areas, talking to people, you know, doing story stuff. But yeah, they showed like just overworld map kind of stuff. Has a nice little art style to it uh, for the overworld map, where it's kind of like the, I forget what it is like the like the little peg people that are kind of walking around, uh, kind of very crude look to it. But once you get into the the areas themselves that you can explore, it has a pretty nice different style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is coming out sometime next year. PS5, PS4, PC. I think it's coming out to Xbox and Switch sometime after that. So. This will be one I'm keeping an eye on. I'm just hoping to see a bit more cohesive kind of uh, gameplay demo to know sort of how it transitions between these different uh, styles of story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the state of play. Had some neat stuff there. Uh, some mm. stuff I'm not really that crazy about, but yeah, like I'm looking forward to Death First. We are o- OFK, mm-hmm. the the new Bugsnax mm-hmm. thing. Maybe Cart Rider if that looks neat, and Little Devil Inside. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll check out First Crash Trouble since that's on PS Plus. But those five are kind of the the highlights for me. How about you guys? Yeah, we are OFK. Looks neat. Uh, and uh, obviously, King of Fighters is looking good. Um, and Little Devil Inside looks interesting. That's about it. Star Ocean just looks ridiculous. Yeah. How about you, Dan? To be honest, nothing in particular really uh, scratched the itch. The one that uh, probably got most of my interest was We Are OFK. And that's liking episodic games, but Mm -hmm. playing Life is Strange True Colors, I don't want to wait for episodes anymore. (laughs) So Mm. that's the thing. But it does seem like it'll be interesting as far as both of the... um, as for its narrative and its gameplay, like I look forward to like doing that interactive music video thing at the end because, um, as corny as you guys might have thought it was, um, that part in the uh, in Final Fantasy remake when you're at the uh, the B thing was hilarious and fun to me. So if mm-hmm. this uh, encaptures that awkwardness, I'm totally down to uh, 
get into that. But yeah, uh, what, what I wanted to mention earlier was, um, you know, I'm not mad at Sony for, you know, not hitting it with this one. Uh, also, Death's Door. Death's Door is definitely my highlight, but it's a game I, I played already, so it's not really that big of a highlight. Um, mm-hmm. Things Sony could have done to make this worse was show us more, uh, more show us more Death Loop. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's about it. Then again, maybe more Death Loop would have made it better. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that was the state of play. Some nice new things to look forward to for next year. Uh, mm-hmm. Though I think the there's going to be like a an absence of uh, major major news for a bit mm-hmm. until uh, the Game Awards in yeah. December. People will be able to get you know major TV time and maybe not TV time, but major streaming uh, service time to watch mm-hmm. it uh, for all that kind of stuff. So. They're kind of getting what they can for the time being for stuff that won't make that. But uh, yeah, let's get to our last bit of news here about Activision Blizzard uh, part eight of news and maybe the last one. because we do have some good news here. Uh, But first, the online BlizzCon that they were uh, working on to have in early uh, 2022, February 2022, they have canceled it. Yeah, I found out they were calling this BlizzCon line. Mm-hmm. I was very confused why they would give it a terrible name like that. Yeah, but canceled the physical event earlier this year and now canceled the online event because of all the shit that's going on, as well as just rather use the resources that Blizzard has to continue working on Diablo Four and Overwatch Two and WoW and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Rather than create new stuff, new trailers or whatever to show off for this event. Mm. It would only be like a few months away. So yeah, that makes yeah. That makes sense. It doesn't really I like anybody really wanted anything out of this event. Nah. I mean, so I mean considering all the they're out soon. Yeah, and on top of that, I mean we saw what the shit show was when they tried to make up for the whole debacle over uh, Hong Kong and everything. And it came off as really, you know, half-assed and then nobody really believed it. And then they said three in Overwatch 2. And, uh, which I will admit, were both looked very impressive. But, I mean, right now, the 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 press is so bad, I don't think they would risk it. Yeah, any sort of promotion of like, look at us, look at this cool stuff we're working on wouldn't necessarily work uh, in the wake of these allegations and such. But we do seem to have some good news here mm-hmm. uh, as part of they announced a uh, a five point plan of changes that the company is taking to meet uh, a bunch of the demands. I don't know if it's all of them, but the the group of uh, Activision Blizzard employees. I forget what the the group is called. Maybe like ABK. Uh, yeah, a better ABK uh, as weighed in on this announcement, calling it a huge win. So mm-hmm. in the, the wake of that announcement, we'll detail what that is in a sec, but Bobby Kotick announced that he is going to be taking a pay cut down to minimum wage. Uh, which would be something like sixty-two thousand five hundred bucks, yeah. Which is 
nice for that. He is specifically uh, saying, let me see here. Lastly, I want to ensure that every available resource is being used in the service of becoming the industry leader in workplace excellence. Accordingly, I've asked our board of directors to reduce my total compensation until the board has determined that we have achieved the transformational gender-related goals and other com commitments described above. And to be clear, this is a reduction in my overall compensation, not just my salary. I am mm -hmm. asking not to receive any bonuses or be granted any equity during this time. Uh -huh. It comes in the wake of him getting like $200 million earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, so him asking not to get it doesn't mean they won't vote to give it to him. But... That is at least about as good as I guess we could have expected, because I would have assumed the, the thing we would have hoped for is that he would resign in disgrace over allowing this to happen, because all of this happened on his watch. Yeah, this uh, isn't going to end until he's gone. Yeah, this, but this did does announce... like um All this does is try to paint him in sort of a positive light, so that doesn't really count. And honestly... no. These people make their money off of their bonuses. And yeah, yeah, he also had some of his bonuses cut, but we also know he makes big-ass bonuses, so come on. And their real money comes from, comes from shares. He can, share, he, he can sell all that ESPP and make, you know, 100 times what his salary is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, Sorry, really... I'm just saying, the fish rot from the head down, and, you know, Bobby Kotick is very, very rotten. He had yeah. there is there is no redemption for Bobby Kotick. He has to be gone from that company. Yeah, yeah. But they did announce five new changes for the company in a letter to staff. Uh, we'll go over this as best we can because it is a fairly lengthy. But uh, number one here, we are launching a new zero tolerance uh, harassment policy company wide. In the past, when we discovered and substantiated harassment, we terminated some employees and provided verbal or written warnings or different disciplinary actions for others. Uh, in retrospect, to achieve our goals for workplace excellence, this approach is no longer adequate. We mm. need tougher rules and consistent monitoring across the entire company to make sure reports are being handled correctly and discipline is appropriate and swift. As a result, we are implementing a zero-tolerance policy across Activision Blizzard that will be applied consistently. Our goal is to have the strictest harassment and non-retaliation policy of any employer. We will continue to examine and tighten our standards to achieve this goal everywhere we do business. That's pretty good. It's, it probably should have been there well before this, but, you know, if this whole situation prompts them to become a much better place to work, then that will be worth it for those people. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, number two, we will increase the percentage of women and non-binary people in our workforce by 50%, and we'll invest $250 million to accelerate opportunities for diverse talents. Today, approximately 23% of our global employee population identifies as women or non-binary. Building on the success that King and other business units have achieved, we will seek to increase our percentage of women and non-binary professionals by approximately 50% to more than one-third across the entire company. Within the next five years, and hopefully faster, each franchise team, business unit, and functional area will be expected to have plans to help fulfill this ambition. With respect mm -hmm. to diversity, while we perform better than our peers with 30% of our U.S. workforce from diverse or underrepresented communities, broadening this progress will continue to be a significant focus of mine, as well as company, business unit, and franchise leadership. Uh, see, the furthest commitment will be addition 
investing an additional $250 million over the next 10 years in initiatives that foster expanded opportunities in gaming and technology for underrepresented communities. This commitment includes inspiring diverse talent for their career opportunities in gaming through an ABK Academy. That includes partnerships with colleges and technical schools serving underrepresented communities, mentorships for participants, and a rotating apprenticeship program that leads to game development jobs. Similar to the programs we began with the United Negro College Fund, Management Leadership for Tomorrow. We also provide learning development and advanced degree opportunities for current employees to increase the number of women and those from underrepresented communities and leadership positions across the company and in our industry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good there. And these last three are just single paragraphs. Uh, number three, based on feedback from employees, we're waiving required arbitration of sexual harassment and discrimination claims for any Activision Blizzard employee who chooses not to arbitrate an individual claim of sexual harassment, unlawful discrimination, or related retaliation arising in the future, the company will waive any obligation to do so. Number four, we will continue to increase visibility on pay equity. As described in the recent note from our president, Daniel Allegra, uh, our, and our chief administrative officer, Brian Bulatau, the company continues to focus on pay equity for employees. In fact, our U.S. analysis showed that women at the company on average earn slightly more than men for comparable work. To ensure transparency on our continuing commitment to pay equity, we will report these. And number five, we will provide regular progress updates. We will be monitoring the progress of our business units, franchise teams, mm-hmm. and functional leaders with respect to workplace initiatives. And we will provide a status report quarterly. We will also be adding a dedicated focus on this vital work in our annual report to shareholders in our annual ESG report with information on gender hiring, diversity hiring, and workplace progress. Mm. That seems like a pretty comprehensive upgrade in a number of ways. Yeah, uh, if they actually follow through with it. Yeah, and that last part seems to be suggesting they will provide regular updates on that stuff. And hopefully the the people working there that are invested in this stuff, you know, holds their feet to the fire on this stuff. We'll see. It's going to require some serious. It's going to it's going to require some serious action on their part to really bring you know give you know Activision Blizzard the safe the repair its reputation because at this point it's pretty much almost terminal yeah for me i'm not really interested in their games for the time being Mm -hmm. Uh, but we'll see what happens in the future but yeah the the worker group that was uh pushing for all this seems to be uh pretty happy with the announcement so Mm -hmm. i would defer to them for you know whether they're satisfied with what's going on but to see how that goes but I imagine they do have a Twitter account, so you can definitely follow that and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's at least good news for for those people. And for them, you know, the ones yeah. working there are the ones that uh, are the ones that have to deal with this. So hopefully things do work out well. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But yeah. We'll see. But yeah, that is uh, that is kind of uh, it for this week. Uh, it's a pretty yeah. big show, so we'll start getting into November here as we get to the last few weeks of the big holiday season. Yeah. And uh, with uh, Thanksgiving coming up here in a few weeks, I think it's actually four weeks from now. Yep. Yeah. So 
it's a bit of a longer month than it, it at least the way it feels than it usually is. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a, a good few weeks. We'll see how uh, things change here over the next uh, seven days. What sort of news we get and all that. Uh, so yeah, but thank you to Brandon Danrip for joining this week. Always, uh, we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. Uh, new games to talk about and all that. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoy, feel free to let your friends and family know. Uh, let strangers know, enemies, anybody uh, that will listen to you. Just don't be standing on the corner with a sign. Uh, at least stream it. Yeah. Get more public. Mm-hmm. But so yeah. they praise and laugh at you at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody. We might be doing more of one than the other. I've just got to warn you ahead of time. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week. And until then, have a good one.